Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast with as many podders now as thankfully... And for once, Rangers have goal scorers. This week in heart and hand, five goals, finances, flights and hysteria. I know, that made my OCD twitch as well. So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's Ian Hogg, and for this week, I'll be your host with David on the other side of the world, head wasted by his multi-trip time zones. He's across at Orsa in New Zealand, uh, and we've got a slightly different flagship for you. I'd love to say inspired by those multi-time zones, but in reality, a little cobbled together uh, and recorded at different times as well as time zones. Joining me for the first part of the show is my good mate, Lover and Livingston Lothario, it's Cameron Bell. Campbell, how the devil are you? I'm good, my friend, I'm good. I will say the flagship's already better with your presence on it. And yours, um, there you go, uh, twi- twice the fun um, and no refunds. There you go. We don't, need, we don't need him, Ian. Well, he's given me the password, you see. Uh, <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> exactly. Next stop, the knicker draw. So... Um, as I say, well, myself and Cammy will review the Hamilton match from the weekend, a win and lots of goals, thank the Lord. Quickly review the hysteria and the media, um, and let's face it, I don't really want to spend too much time in that. And then split the pod into two further parts. A segment with David and Gordon Watson from 11,000 mile, 11, miles away uh, on, on the Orsa event. And then an update from Andy McGowan on the mid-year financial Results posted today by Rangers at the time of recording on Monday the 25th of February 2019. So, yesterday, Sunday, uh, we defeated Brian Rice's Hamilton Academicals by five goals to nil. Great first half performance, lots of goals and chances. Comfy and a little flatter in the second half, but again, lots of chances. Um, Can be five different goal scorers in the first, uh, well, five different scorers, four goals in the first half. 
uh, Ryan Jack with scoring from outside the box. Scott Arfield outside the box. My God, wonders will never cease. Uh, second goal, a cracking header from Jermaine Defoe and James Tavernier with a good penalty after Ryan Ken inexplicably being wiped out by Ziggy Gordon. Second half, praise the Lord, and it's not even March yet. Kyle Lafferty scores his first league goal since September. Cammy, bloody good win, wasn't it? It was excellent. Um, I think uh, the the calibre goals that you saw, including the setup. I mean, for Defoe's, um, really great quality play. Um, I mean, we're not going to moan too much about surfaces because, again, like you say, I think we've we've had our kind of fill with with, with plastic surfaces, but uh, we zipped the ball around really nicely. Some good tidy passing. Uh, alternated some ideas, so rather than all having to come from the flanks, we were able to penetrate through the middle, um, which is which is nice. A little bit of change. You see goals from outside the area. Um, so yeah, no, it was a, an excellent performance all in, uh, rounded off by uh, the Prince of Ulster coming on to to seal the victory. Yeah, I mean he only had about eight chances to score, but I tell you what, you know, T when he scored. He was clearly relieved after that fifth goal, as were the management team. They were egging him on to score. Gary McAllister in the dugout with each missed chance as it went by. He was almost, he was living the frustration along with Kyle Lafferty. So it was lovely to see, really lovely to see when it went in that the management team were right behind him. So too was Jermaine Defoe. The, the pair of them seemed to have uh, struck up a wee bromance at the end of the game. Yeah, Andy Halliday as well seems to be quite taken with Jermaine Defoe as well. But I think it's probably, I mean, you know, all the, um, you know, the off the field stuff aside, because we know what, you know, Defoe's certainly done, certainly for uh, charity awareness and et cetera, et cetera. But I think Jermaine Defoe is just one of these just really nice guys. Uh, I think, I mean, obviously he has played for a number of different clubs. He's been able to settle in where he's went to. And I think he, 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 he you know, certainly extends himself to, to make some um, some good relationships with his teammates and stuff, and um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, uh, looked looked really really good at the weekend. I thought, um, and his goal in particular, nice to see because um, sometimes I mean he'll not be used to playing a proper game on a surface like that. Um, but no, absolutely, I thought Defoe did very very well yesterday. And lots of great performances from I, I think right throughout the pitch. Um, Alan McGregor was rubbish, wasn't he? Um, However, you look at the both flanks, and you know I, I know I bang on about it lots, Cammy, about James Tavenier and Daniel Condes down the right. Andy Halliday and Ryan Kent on the left, I thought, were excellent as a as a tag team. The guy that I think made us tick, and um, on the on the Patreon site, I, I gave him a little bit of a hard time for his debut, much to the disgust of practically all of the rest of the pod squad, um, is Glenn Kamara. I thought he had a relatively poor debut last week. Um, but then, it, you know, it, it, he was maybe the one of the better ones out of a team of just dross. Wednesday night against Kilmarnock, he was excellent. And yesterday, I thought he was tremendous. See, for 50 grand, there's three games in, one poor one in comparison to the rest of the, or, or sorry, in line with the rest of the players. Um, and two cracking performances. All he, I, I think, he kept it neat, tidy, biting into the tackle. Always looking for a forward pass, not side to side. 
and it really opened up Ryan uh, Ryan Kent Ryan Jack to get forward, and which in turn allowed additional space for Scott Arfield to run into. I'm pretty excited by Glenn Kamara. Yeah, I mean he is. He's really good, and I think different type of game. Uh, to the game against Kilmarnock, where obviously he was he was asked to deal with Malumbu a little bit more of a kind of physical presence in there, but his, I think against Hamilton he just showed some some nice tidy play. The and again I, I do want to compliment Ryan Jack in terms of being able to go forward with the ball. Kamara's allowing him, as you say, a little bit more um, opportunity to do that. But Jack's um, forward passing is is really really good. Um, his goal was absolutely fantastic as well. Um, in, in terms of his overall finish, so um, as you say, it's nice to see these little enhancements and, and, and player relationships developing. You know, Candace and, and Tavernier is one that we've already known about. Um, I keep saying it, and I keep saying it, I keep saying it, but we have to sign Ryan Kent because I'm really excited by this boy. He just doesn't stop trying, um, and I think Andy Halliday, you know, certainly gives him that lease to be able to to get and go forward and give him the protection. So no. Um, Coming back to Kamara, I think Kamara's fifty grand is nothing. Let's face it, uh, and I think he's already shown that he, you know he's uh, he's fit into that midfield really, really nicely. And first half especially, some of some of the passing, the slickness, creating a lot of chances, um, some real desperate defending. I thought by Hamilton at times, and you know, let's be fair, we ran all over the top of Hamilton. They were very very poor. Some real desperate defending including from um, Darian McKinnon, who seems to have styled himself as a kind of little version of Scott Brown. His whole game predicated on, I support Celtic and I've got a bit of a scary, uh, scary stare. Any wonder that Andy Halliday just laughed him off the park? No, I think he, he's probably going to try and copy Brown's tattoos next as well, because he's certainly trying to copy him facially and also copy his haircut as well. So... Um, <sighs> It's the old adage, and Ian, Jimmy, and you and I have been around long enough to see it. If it looks like a duck and uh, walks like a duck, then you know that's what you, you call it out for. It looks like a prick. It probably is. Um, almost six thousand, or officially six thousand fans in there. Uh, uh, you know, we, we could wax on lyrical for half an hour. I think about the Rangers' performance, but you know, just just to focus on Hamilton for a wee second, uh, Cami. Official attendance almost six thousand there. I'm going to guess that uh, well, there was there was definitely because they counted the tickets um, over three and a half thousand Rangers fans, which meant there was just shy of two thousand three hundred Hamilton fans officially there. Didn't look anything like that. Their 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 area was pretty sparse, um, and it makes me wonder about the sacking of Martin Canning. That Martin Canning effectively keeping Hamilton in the top flight for four years, gets the sack because they're in about the bottom, you know, they're not performing very well. Makes me wonder what Hamilton actually expect from that side. You know, there's Brian Rice taking over. He got a draw and a win and then two defeats and they've shipped seven goals to both uh, to, to Hibs and Rangers. They look, they look as if they're going to struggle to stay up, surely. Yeah, I think they will. Brian Rice came out and said, um, in his post-match yesterday that he felt that we played some really, really nice uh, uh, bits of play. Um, I don't know if he understands he's not allowed to compliment Rangers in the mainstream media, so I dare say he was probably misquoted or something like that, but um, I, I think he has to kind of toughen up a little bit, if I'm being perfectly honest, um, because that Hamilton team, especially that kind of back four, I think looked pretty rudderless at the moment, so 
yeah, they're absolutely going to have to tidy it up, I think. I usually go there expecting a tough game, and indeed in both Stephen Gerrard's interview and Kyle Lafferty's, uh, Lafferty's uh, post-match interview, they, they, they both mentioned, you know, you're coming here, you're expecting a hard game. Neither of them mentioned the pitch, which was nice. Um, Stephen Gerrard focused on the midfield, focused on dominating the ball, focused on chances and, and scoring chances. And Kyle Lafferty, I think he was just blunt, Cammy, blunt and honest, and basically said, I've been desperate for a goal for my confidence. So, um, honesty from the Ulster Gazelle, but it's, uh, yeah, I'll reiterate, it's great to see him score. Well, it is. And um, <clears throat> listen, Ian, it's not a surprise that Kyle Lafferty scores and Brendan Rodgers now immediately wants to move to Leicester because he knows that Lafferty has come back here to deliver the title and now um, his goal-scoring streak has started slightly earlier than expected. So, I mean, read from that what you will. Um, no, it is. It's good. And I think that you saw Lafferty yesterday when he scored the goal. It was good for him to, to be able to go on. Um, good for us to have the option of bringing strikers on or bringing players on a bigger part because obviously Davis came on at the same time as well. Um, once the game's completely settled, which I mean, certainly we've been calling out from the pod for a number of weeks now. So, yeah, absolutely. That was good to see. And it's uh, so it's on to Dundee at Ibrox on Wednesday night. And uh, we've just got to keep on winning, Cammy. Um, you know, you did mention there um, a certain manager being um, touted elsewhere. I'm sure not by his current employers, honest. Um, but you do have Big Lafferty that uh, he has started scoring. It's still February. Imagine what he's going to be like in March. So, um, I know Dundee's still February, but uh, we've also got Alfredo Morelos back. Yeah, and I think one of the things, is kind of, we watched the game in the pub yesterday, we were up north for the weekend, and one of the things uh, that we were talking about was it's good that we can live life without Morelos because it looked like for a certain period of time we were incapable of doing so. And I think the, the really great thing for that is that we are now in a space where we've got five different goal scorers. Um... I'm glad to see Tav back on penalties and, and obviously converting them. Um, but for me, it's been really good that we've we've bridged that little spell when we've been without Alfie. Um, the players have been given a boost. It's not as if we've just been scraping by. Um, we've turned on some excellent performances. Um, and the kind of Brucey bonus for me, I think, was him obviously getting the four goals in a game that he, he wouldn't have featured in, had obviously circumstances not conspired to go in our way. Um, so no, he'll, he'll come back he'll come back into a, a team that will be full of confidence and he'll be full of confidence as well so as I say we've been um, I think we've been very fortunate but we've made our own luck as well I think that as I say we've played very very well we've uh, played with a degree of conviction which I always like to see Rangers teams doing so I'm not very very pleased and on to Wednesday night uh, 7.45 at Ibrooks. um I think if you're taking short holidays, it's maybe on on places, but uh, I'll certainly be, certainly be there, Cammy. I'm guessing you will be too. So I guess the other main talking point from yesterday's match, um, certainly, and I say that loosely, I say talking point really quite loosely. It's maybe more apt to say Rangers won, so the main talking point from the mainstream media wasn't actually the game. Instead, it was a banner. Now, the, 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 the extra show, at the back end of last week, kind of covered um, 
Steve Clark Gate, and we've talked about it on a variety of pods over the weekend. But uh, the main talking point was instead a banner. And the Union Bears, I think it was anyway, unfurled the banner at the game saying, Get well soon, Steve Clark. Cammy, I found that pretty amusing on because we get we take ourselves, I think, in Scotland a little bit too seriously at times, and that was not taking it very seriously. And in the face of, let's face it, some panty wet nonsense uh, that would have you think we were living in 1970s Northern Ireland. Um, problem I've got with the nonsense of the past few days, Cammy, is that selective nature of hysterical condemnation. Steve Clark's a good example. You know, he used his 50 or so voices last Wednesday to deflect from a gubbing. The song was an own goal. Of course it was. But he's deflecting from a gubbing. I'd take him more seriously if the previous Sunday he went all guns blazing to defend his player. He didn't. Instead, he told us he was concentrating on his team. He doesn't often hear the crowd. And he reiterated that pre-match hour game last Wednesday when he was asked whether the Celtic fans' behaviour worried him. And he said, no, not really. So to go from that to post-match Wednesday, um, forgive me if I fail to take that too seriously, Cammy, and, and the selective hearing. And both he and others including many journalists who, again, become quite selective in the reporting, almost almost as if it's, you know, one in general, um, or one specifically, sorry, said he only mentioned it because Steve Clark made it the news. He wasn't bothered about the other instant. Again, possible, possible selectivity because it pays the mortgage. Um, David, David came up with a word for it, selectarianism. One or two media men have actually uh, cottoned onto that, Cammy. It's, it's that one-way agenda. It'll dress up the agenda by saying, if you ask questions of why you're not bothered about other instances, it becomes whataboutery. For me, it's not. It's figuring out whether you're serious or whether you're a fraud with an agenda. And I'll say it again. I've said this a number of times, Cammy, over a number of pods. I am all for eradicating all sectarianism. There is no requirement to be calling Steve Clark a Fenian. None. Um, it's an own goal. I'll, I'd, I'll I absolutely prefer it to stop. Don't need it. One of the outcomes you naturally will get, especially when there's hysteria in the, in the mainstream media, is it'll lead to folk being lifted. So I'd rather you didn't have hysteria. I'd rather Steve and Gerard wasn't having to talk about it. And I'd rather the inevitability of our fans being lifted didn't happen. But Cammy, I'm I'm even handed. I want it to stop on all sides. That's not what about it. I just think that's kind of fair and even minded. So, um, do you think I'm being harsh? I don't think you're being harsh, but there's a number of different factors here. The first one is um, you're you're completely correct. If we can remove that um, opportunity to give Steve Clark ammunition and the mainstream media opposition, we should absolutely do it. We've got more than enough songs about Rangers that glorify our club um, rather than going down a sectarian route. All right, so let's just call that out for what it is. However, what I will say is I will not be given lessons on morality from, let's say, another club who's perfectly happy to support their fans' groups when they have paramilitary lyrics and advertising and slogans on their use of the word hun, 
perfectly acceptable at Parkhead, um, and also various other things such as hanging effigies, etc., which we've been forced to put up with that doesn't seem to have had this same kind of media outcry. The second thing is, um, I saw that the BBC Jonathan Sunderland was 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 um, surprised at the fact that there was a Steve Clark banner. Well, this is the BBC who are perfectly happy to display as part of a Rangers story a decapitated head of Ryan Jack. So, again, I will not take lessons of morality from that shower. And the final thing is, I think for me, is Steve Clark. I could almost have a degree of sympathy for Steve Clark if he came out at some point after Wednesday's game and said, listen, my team got gubbed. I was emotional. I should be focused more on what matters, which is how my team performed on the night, where those gaps were, etc. So I would have more respect for him if he actually did that. Then he starts coming out with a number of questionable statements. Now, I'm not suggesting that he's lying. That's for people to come up to their own conclusions. But he's then going to tell us that he wasn't aware of the Chris Boyd sectarian chanting. Now, what I'm really curious to know and what I'd really like a, a journalist to ask him is, OK, so you weren't aware of it as in you didn't hear it or you weren't aware of it as in Boyd never told you? So what is it? Because if Boyd never told him, how did he not hear it? So he's backed himself completely into a corner there. And as I said on um, Heart and Hand Extra last week, Steve Clark is in the midst of the longest job interview that's ever been known in the history of man. And... What I think he's now doing is he's not savvy enough and he's not smart enough to be able to try and play the kind of game that he wants to play because he wants to be able to remove focus off of himself and the fact that Kilmarnock have really toiled. So as far as I'm concerned, he needs to be able to get his football team doing his talking for him and he's not doing that at the moment. So I would be perfectly happy. I thought the banner was excellent. I thought it was very ironic. I thought it was very funny and well done to the Union Bears. Um, whilst this problem exists, the groups such as the Union Bears can help us be able to eradicate things like that from our songbook. But I, I really couldn't care less about Steve Clark's feelings. I really couldn't. I'm not interested whatsoever in placating him. I think when you've got um, Mr Clark, certain folk from another club and the media and the media at large you know let, let's take a step back and ask yourself do they want sectarianism to end the answer's no because it pays the bills for them um and you've only got to look at the as i say hysteria that's what it's been um i i agree cammy i thought the banner was good i thought it was funny uh, i i thought it was um I, I, I thought it was just making, poking fun at the hysterical reaction. And actually, do you know, yes, you maybe don't want to make light of it. Um, you maybe don't want to make light of it as a, a serious issue. But by God, not, not taking ourselves too seriously in the face of hysterical panty wetting. Yeah, I thought it was good. All good. However, enough of that nonsense, and uh, we will move on now to the first of the other two parts of the show, and we will go all the way to New Zealand for David Edgar and Gordon Watson. 
Hello folks, it's David here and a wee bit different this week on Heart and Hand because I am currently in Auckland and I am here for the 2019 ORSA, that's the Oceanic Ranger Supporters Association Conference. I've just been in Melbourne for a few days and did a show there uh, at the Melbourne City Loyal Ranger Supporters Club with Stuart Monroe. So I'm having a ball and joining me now is from the Kiwi True Blues and the hosts of this year's event is Gordon Watson. Hello, Gordon. Hi, David. Hi, everyone. Um, now, for those of you, a lot of you may know Gordon because uh, he's been quite a visible face at Ibrox uh, a couple of times or a few times over the last few years. And, and that's saying something because trust me, I have learned this is a <laughs> bastard of a journey. You are quite far away. Yeah, it's Antarctica after this, <laughs> quite literally. So, yeah. This is far away. But uh, we're going to have a little talk about Orsa, and we're going to have a little talk about the convention. But before we do that, we'll start with Sunday's match. Rangers took on Hamilton, plastic pitch, etc., etc. And maybe our best away performance of the season. Yeah, look, it was 5-0, but it was going on 10 or 15. Yeah. I think that um, we really put down a marker for playing on a plastic pitch as well and uh, a wee bit frustrating that over the last couple of weeks you know we've scored 10 goals and we're looking great and you think back to some of these games where we've played mm. sides well, just, and struggled St Johnson the week before oh, of course yeah. I think that for me is probably the key thing is that I've got faith in this team to bounce back I think they're good at that my problem is is that I don't know when they're going to chuck in a St Johnston or a Kilmarnock away you know that type of performance yeah, well, you look at the league table and the gap that's opened up, and any one of us can point to the games in the first <laughs> part of the season and go, yeah, Livy away, and that's the frustrating part. But but the the good part about that is that we also know that we're still close. You know, we're not that far away, and um, and, and that's that's got to keep us going, especially with Dundee coming up on Thursday our time, and then uh, quarter final of the cup. Yeah, I hope you heard that. That's Thursday over here that the, the game is. Uh, so it's, it's a different world. But um, yeah, a, a good performance. And I think a lot of it came from... I'm always impressed when Rangers start at a good tempo. I think that that's the really important thing for us. When we don't get the tempo right, we tend to struggle. Whereas when we do get the tempo right and we go at it from the start, we get the first goal, we look hungry we don't let the opposition settle and poor Hamilton now we should probably caveat this Hamilton are not very good but that doesn't mean you've still you've still got to go and put them away and put them away in style and that's what Rangers did yeah absolutely and uh, without Morellis as well yeah you know uh, Jermaine Defoe's been doing the job and I think he's been a great acquisition but you well, know, that's, that's four already yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that is not bad he's going to get double figures for this season as a bit part player which is pretty impressive yeah, look, he, he's ticked all the boxes since he's come in. Um, you know, at 36 years of age, he's had to find his feet. He's, he's adjusted better than Stephen Davis yeah, has to date. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> still a question mark over that for me, you know. Like, uh, you know, we have to sort of uh, wait and see whether or not his legs are what they are now or yeah. whether he, he, he can get his legs together yeah I mean we, we know he's, he's got quality it's just about fitness and, and whatnot. but um, Rangers played as I say very well and for me the key Gordon was the midfield and it's only two games and I'm not getting carried away because at the start <laughs> of the season well at the start of the season yeah. I thought Koulibaly looked like oh my god where'd uh-huh. where they find this boy he's amazing yeah. and he, he just dipped and he's never really come back so I'll, I'll wait but I have to say in the two appearances I've seen Glenn Kamara or three appearances now sorry um, I'm thinking wow this this boy I mean for 50 grand he justified his signing by us just getting through to the next round of the cup mm-hmm. where he was excellent but the other day he, he just 
seems to free up Jack and Arfield, mm. who both had great games. Yeah, look, he's got pedigree as well. You know, we've, we've picked up a player. You were talking about it on the golden years, 92, 93. We used to get a little Christmas present. Yeah. You know, in the transfer back then when there was no transfer Stephane window. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And the Van Vossen uh, deal That's as well right, that you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he looks like a good signing, a good solid signing as well. Um, yeah, and I mean, Jack was able to score a goal. He's only got three this season, so. He's getting there though Goal machine um, No it was a lovely goal I, I thought Jack was probably My man of the match I thought he was excellent Not More uh, attacking role You know just, just getting forward And being able to uh, Make passes And dictate the play And I think maybe it, it was a case of him Thinking right I trust the guy behind me now I don't feel I need to be Back there helping out um, And you know Hamilton don't have An awful lot in their team Although how funny was When that little Scott Brown Lookalike prick um, Was so desperate to score he forgot about the offside rule yeah look I can't stand that guy I mean, why honestly, would you want to look like Scott Brown it's a mystery to me no of all the people in the world that you yeah. can eat that, that one was, was news in me so and it's, we're painted on shorts and all yeah, yeah oh, he's, he's really set himself up as, as a kind of wannabe and it is, it's, it's quite sad Pirlo I get that yeah. right I get that oh, so fair yeah. enough I want to look like him Zidane no Scott Brown not, not for me yeah. but uh, and Rangers went on Lafferty got a goal which means both of our backup strikers if you like I mean that'll be good for their confidence well yeah especially for, for Lafferty I think it's when was his last league goal September Ooh, yeah. perhaps we were yeah. talking September so it's good to see him getting in amongst it um, he's been disappointing yeah it's make or break for him I think this I period think so, yeah. um, even just to get another year as a backup I think he's got to impress the gaffer but to be fair he, he did yeah, well, he look, did all right when he came on. When he signed, I had quite high expectations. Uh, I was always a bit so-so because of some of the the, the things were Lafferty that he brings to the His table. His personality. That one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. And there were a couple of things that happened, um, you know, the thing that got in the press with him and her social media or whatnot. Yes. Uh, and I thought, nah, he's back here and he's blowing it again. But if he can pick up a few goals, especially with the way that we've been showing red cards and getting players retrospectively suspended um, then yeah it's more than welcome that was one of the funniest things for me in the Kilmarnock match was as soon as Alfie gets hat trick the entire stand turned around and screamed at Stevie G take him off <laughs> because you know you just yeah, well. the referee would, would send him off um, so good win now uh, it seems Rangers can't win a game without there being some controversy and the controversy came with a banner that uh, Rangers fans at the match unfurled which I put my cards on the table I thought it was quite funny it just said uh, get well soon Steve Clark in reference to Steve Clark who you might have been forgiven thinking last week was dying judging by some of the press reports after he had the song sung at him uh, and of course they, they've come out in outrage against that look I, it's quite alright as far as I can see uh, to have a debate about sectarianism if you're genuine about it the problem for a lot of Rangers fans is there's a feeling that it's not genuine and it's just a stick to beat us uh, and and that was exemplified by the reaction to Boyd's comments and the react the difference in reaction to Clark's comments but something like that I think is harmless and it's this almost insistence that we all have to think the way they want us to think we can't disagree at all Steve Clark is a victim and that's all there is to it so as if since Lennon left they need somebody now to be the poster boy for aren't Rangers fans bastards well there's a tremendous meme going around at the minute uh, you know the Scooby Doo meme where you 
the the mask gets lifted of Steve Clark and yeah. it's Neil Lennon, and I think that's just, <laughs> <laughs> I think that tells its own story. If uh, you you can see find that on social media, but um, look, living on this side of the planet, and then it gives you literally some a lot of distance. Yeah. But you know, and I work in the media, sports media, and in football, and and I look at this uh, the way that it's set up, and I can't help but think when I talk to New Zealand colleagues who have no connection to Scotland about it um, and just shake their heads and yeah. think look this this is crazy like, yes. what's going on in Scottish football especially the refereeing I mean I work at well, I did work with uh, the Auckland Football Federation I used to sit on a Monday morning with uh, the Rangers games on RTV and I'd play back key moments and games <laughs> I'd get the director of refereeing say, what do you think of that it'd just be well, you know, shrugs his shoulders, and it, that tells its own story saying, as well. Thank God they don't work here. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah perhaps. It's uh, no, it has been beyond a joke recently. And uh, like I say, a, a, a guy on Twitter pointed out that after every of our last, I think, ten wins, there has been uh, an issue in the paper afterwards, and it does. Oh, it, yeah. I, I'm a great believer in patterns pointing to something, and that one certainly suggests that but uh, enough about all of that let's move on to literally why I'm here and why you're not going to sleep for the next week (laughs) or so and that's the Orsa Convention 2019 Um, I suppose first of all for those who don't know uh, explain kind of what Orsa is they might have heard of Narsa and Orsa is is the if you like this side of the world equivalent yeah well it's the Oceania Rangers Supporters uh, Association and it's made up of supporters clubs from well, not just around the Pacific, New Zealand, Australia, it's it's South Africa, Hong Kong as well, uh, Southeast Asian uh, Rangers Supporters Clubs in Singapore. Um, and we get together every year uh, to meet ex-players, talk about the club, you know, rekindle friendships, watch games and uh, meet our heroes, you know. And um, Yeah, thanks. That's, that's quite, that's quite <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why you're here. Um, because, <laughs> look, heart and hand, you know, not to be funny or blow smoke up your ass, heart and hand forms a, a, a crucial part of keeping up with what's going on with the club. And, you know, we're both born in the 70s and yeah. you know there was no internet and uh, <laughs> I said to Hoggy I had to you know wait for bundles and newspapers and match programs and VHS cassettes um, <laughs> this time of day I'm normally listening to the daily update <laughs> right. you know it's and, 6 o'clock in the morning here folks yeah 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 and get into work and I might catch the first 10 minutes of, of one of the other shows um, and that's now the daily routine and by mid-morning on our uh, Facebook chat group we're all talking about what we heard yeah. and what we thought oh, that, that, that's really cool you know and I mean I think that that has been one of the things that it's, it's great to go on a trip list for me because you discover you know what it's like and the stuff that maybe back home we take for granted mm-hmm. because I mean for guys to get together what kick off times <laughs> we complain about them in the UK for Christ's sake but <laughs> kick off times for you guys uh, are you know, quarter to six in the morning, middle of the night. I yeah, mean, yeah. when I was in Australia, there's quick kickoff times at two in the morning, and I think it's important for people to realise that, especially these days, it's it's easy for you guys to just oh, I'll just watch it in the house, but to build the sense of community, people make that effort, they get together, and I think because of that, it it I was walking about in in Sydney in Melbourne in my in a Rangers talk with a couple of bears, and people were saying ah Rangers, you know, and it's guys like you that spread the message of the club and, and help to maintain it as a worldwide institution 
Yeah, and it, it's part of who you are. Um, you know, the the you might be a long way away, and, and for me, one generation away, in terms of uh, you know my father leaving Scotland after World War Two, but when it's part of who you are then you, you will not let it go you know you just can't it, it defines the way you see the world in, in many ways and football is a, a tremendous vehicle for bringing people together um, and, and we've been able to overcome a couple of the you know the challenges with having a football team you know we, we call them the Kiwi True Blues FC but they're really the Kiwi True Blues young team you know and it, because we can't all be meeting up at 3.30 in the morning you know bleary eyed and it returned us to a more uh, cohesive normal club club yeah. feel and also is, is the icing on the cake for it because we last hosted in 2009 um, oh, wow. yeah yeah so it's been 10 years and we ended up uh, hosting this time around because a lot of us went to Sydney three years ago and it was uh, Alberts, Moles, Goff, Gavin Ray, Stuart Robertson was there and it was just uh, an amazing time and I think in a weak moment at the HEM. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. And then two years or three years later now, uh, here we are. Now, uh, some big names coming out this year to this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ian Ferguson, for one. I've never met Ian Ferguson. He's been across a lot with... Uh, his involvement in the A-League as a player and now as a, uh, then as a coach with Perth Glory. Um, what a player he was. Oh, he was amazing. You know, yeah. He epitomised everything that the club stands for, personified on the pitch, you know, yep. the way that he played. And I've always been fascinated with how he changed his game, like you mentioned it quite a bit when you were talking about uh, Ian Ferguson. And I mean, I always remember him for that goal in the, the Skull Cup final. Yes, the, oh. the hatch kick thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then he could be something else as well. You know, he could be an enforcer and to yeah, have him be yeah, amazing. He, he, I mean, this, this is—he's one of the guys that I think when we are, I think in modern football we all tend to go, he does this and that's it. Mm. Whereas if you look at him, he's young, attacking midfielder, um, great at getting into the box, scored goals. But then when when it was needed, he dropped back, became a holding midfielder, could control the game with his passing. So. Uh, a good midfielder should be able to do a bit of everything I think and he could mm. and across two important eras for the club you know with the tail end of um, well the failed 10 in a row um, and 9 in a row and then the Dick Advocate era because I thought he would be one of them that would be away with maybe Gordon Jerry they both ended up so did he yeah. he said that he thought yeah, yeah. he'd be on his bike yeah well he turned out to be a very important cog yeah he was that first know? year he, he really was and uh, a link between the, as you say the two eras 10 medals 10 league medals I mean that I don't know if anyone will achieve that again I mean that's look, back when it back when it counted not like you know, a couple of Celtic players might have managed it but that doesn't count as we all know yeah. uh, so um, and of course a, a homegrown son of uh, Australasia and that's Craig Moore I was always jealous as all buggery of Craig Moore because we're r- roughly the same age and to, you know there he was he was doing it you know he was, he was involved with Rangers and although at the time especially early on you know he was getting a lot of stick he came through that and then to become captain and you know it, it's tremendous to have him part of it he always had a Scottish accent as well like an Aussie hybrid hybrid accent kind of like a, a Alberts has yes <laughs> <laughs> nobody's is as good as his no, Loving no, Crans no. is good 
Lauren Cranes is yeah, very good. Yeah, when he does the RTV, I always yeah. think that his is because he can just lapse into these yeah. little bits of Scottishness. Yeah. Um, and they'll be attending the events, and also there are events like the Absent Friends football match, yes. and you know, there's tours of Auckland and stuff. Because I mean, certainly from my point of view, this is really exciting because it's one of those places that I think everybody wants to go to, but you think I'll probably never get the opportunity to do it. And so to be here, I'm like, wow, it's it's great to be doing all that, but the added bonus of where it is. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. I mean, we, we've got 150 guests coming from all over the world. People are coming from the UK, uh, South Africa, of course, Australia because of the proximity. And uh, oh, I closed four hours. I was on that bloody flight for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's the local neighbourhood to us. <laughs> you know, that's like a bus yeah. trip, yeah, especially when. When you compare it to, to heading back to, to Scotland to yes, watch a game. Yeah, 18 hours uh, flight for me to Dubai on the way back and then 8 hours from Dubai to, to Scotland. But I, I'm not complaining. I am complaining, but I shouldn't. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Um, and Stuart Robertson is over from the club as well and that's uh, an opportunity for you guys to, to hear directly from him uh, what, what's been going on and what the plans are for the next year. Yeah, uh, Stuart's uh, been good enough to uh, attend this year and uh, there's a, a section of the AGM dedicated to a Q&A with him and uh, you know he, he gets put uh, under the microscope by by fans also and he, he, he meets it head on um, he's a fantastic person I met him in Sydney three years ago um, and you know after what we'd been through yeah. with uh, you know the spivs and whatnot he was a breath of fresh air there was still a little bit of scrutiny of course because of you know, oh, what yeah. we've been through as well um, but I think the club with respect to, to horses in a healthy place you know that we get to to you know have that opportunity and, and don't feel forgotten or left out mm, fantastic so if people want to I mean I'll be if those of you who are on Heart and Hand Patreon, I'll be you know doing some stuff from the from the convention on that. So you'll see that I'll have some about it in next week's show as well. But if they want to to find out, you've got some social media that people can go and have a look at. Yes, uh, so you can find us on Twitter at Orsa Twenty Nineteen. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. We've got an Orsa Twenty Nineteen page where we're going to update. Uh, timings around some of the, the key events. If uh, people need to find out information, they can go there. Uh, the website, kiwitrueblues.com. Um, not updated as frequently, but there is information on there that, that will be helpful. And uh, we've got an online guide too that's got phone numbers in there if you uh, you know you need some help and you're a visitor to, to Auckland and the committee will help you out. Brilliant. Gordon, thanks for, for doing this for me and thanks for inviting me over here. Well, I've never been part of a daily update where you're in the car yeah, and it's at this time of day, so it's quite surreal. This is what I do now. I record my conversations <laughs> with people and then sell it. Uh, oh, so uh, nobody gets to talk to me now with it, uh, with it turn out profit. <laughs> okay, folks, thanks very much. I'll talk to you again soon. Cheers. Bye. Well, thanks to David and Gordon all the way across in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, before we go, we will have that third part to the show that we promised you, taken from today's daily update, Monday the 25th of February 2019. Uh, and I, I caught up with Andy McGowan to discuss Rangers' half-year financial results. So one other piece of news for today, and that's uh, Rangers International Football Club PLC published their unaudited trading results for the first six, or for the six months to the 31st of December 2018. Certainly on the face of it, results, um, 
well, certainly compared to recent times, appear very strong, driven by our, our excellent run in the European uh, Europa League, impacting both the prize money and the, and the commercial opportunities to go along with it. So revenue seems significantly up. Debt in the shape of loans is down, thanks to the planned share issue. But here to explain what it means in, in noddy terms, so simpletons like me can understand it, is Andy McGowan. Andy, I hope you're well. I'm good, Hoggy. Yourself? Yeah, all good, all good. So, big man, you fancy giving us a bit of a breakdown? And uh, what we'll do is we're going to use it on the daily update, but also the also the flagships, as all the Tims can hear it as well. <laughs> Hello, Tims. So, listen, uh, I'll give you my, my usual caveats. I've only had a very brief look at it, and a lot of this stuff that I'm talking about is from memory. So if there's any mistakes, let us know, leave a comment, but uh, it should be there or thereabouts because these are very positive. And the, the as you've said, the cover the six months, which are probably, well, no probably, they're absolutely the most important six months of the financial year for our club because what it does, it covers the season ticket intake, it covers uh, for this season the European money, um, extra games we've played for that and then obviously any cup ties we've played so this is a lion's share of our revenue and they're a very very good indicator of how the overall year is going to shape up because the second half of the, the financial year is very very different because there's no major bangs for income such as the season tickets and, and if we're not in Europe then obviously there's no Euro- more European money coming in but uh, as, you, as you alluded to Ian the profit, there is a profit so there was a profit at the interim period last year which was just under a million quid and this year it's 6.7 million so that's obviously the first thing you look at and say right that's a very good indicator of how the end of year results are going to look because if you're ahead of the game for the first six months the the second six months are going to be obviously a wee bit um, sparser in terms of income so that helps get you towards a point where you think well maybe there'll either be a profit or break even as you say a big big thing is that the interest-free loans that we had from our directors and investors of 11.1 million, they were converted from actual loans in the books to equity. So, for, for in layman's terms, basically, these guys have given us 11.1 million in loans. They've been paid back, not in cash, but they've been paid back in shares in the business and Rangers. So, personally speaking, Hogger, and I think you'll probably agree with me, we need to remember how lucky we are that we've had these guys at this point in time in the recovery from what happened in 2011-2012 because uh, I think you don't need to look far in terms of British football to see where benefactors are not really benefactors. They're actually just uh, people that are taken from the club uh, under the guise of given to the club. So, uh, personally, I'll always be grateful for these guys. I think they go in song. I think a lot of it is taken for granted now, but it'll never be taken for granted for, by me. Um, a, a big, big thing I noticed is the revenue. So revenue is the income for the six months. So last year's interim results, the revenue was £19.4 million. This year, it's £35 million, which is a massive increase, absolutely massive. And to give you some context, Hoggy, in 2012, so I think that was the first interim reports under Charles Green and Stockbridge and those hallowed names, the revenue was £9.5 million. So we've more than trebled the six-month interim revenue there. Um, so a massive indicator of recovery. I think it's a massive indicator of the, the importance of European money because take over from 19.4 last year to £35 million. I don't know if that was solely due to European money, 
but it's going to have a large, large part in it. Um, and what we're doing as a club is it appears is that when there's an incremental increase in revenue, there's an incremental increase in spending. And by spending, hopefully, and I think it is the case, that's player wages, football side of things, football investment, the youth system. Um, and according to the six months interim report, we're up 10 million for last year. So we're spending 10 million more over the six months than we did over the six months last year. The, the operating expenses for the full 12 months, the last accounts we had that came out at the end of 2018, we had um, operating expenses of just under £39 million. Pounds. So again, it gives perspective, in 2012, the operating expenses for the full year in 2012 were £16.6 So we've doubled our, our spending, if you like. So that's an indication of how much is getting spent running the club, investing in the playing side and stuff like that. And then there's a wee operating profit for six months of £3.8 million. So that's a, a very good indicator. It was £1.1 last year. But what I liked the most is I always refer to uh, the... I struggle to say this, but the, the, the earnings before interest tax depreciation. So the reason that's so important and why I always kind of argued the, the toss with anybody who wanted to listen, because the last account you recall was a fairly hefty loss, 14 million or something like that. But when you actually look at the accounts, the thing that you want to look for for a true reflection of how the company's performing, how the business is running day to day, was the EBITDA, which um, is essentially your revenue lesser expenses before you take into account the tax and appreciate depreciation interest. So the the guys, the guys, the, the board um, have actually indicated that we're on target for an about that at the end of the full financial year, which is break even there or thereabouts. Last year we had an about that which was four point two million pound loss. So essentially what we're saying last year was that day to day we lost about four point two million pounds over the course of the year. And that's where your your uh, investors, Dave King, the Three Bears, Douglas Park, all these, John Bennett, all these kind of guys are then chipping in to make up that loss or making up that loss and are probably putting in more to keep the, the acceleration of growth going. So if we get to the end of this financial year and the day-to-day -day running of the club is break-even or there are thereabouts, exceptionally good news because what it means is we're back to trading um, day-to-day when -day an even keel. It also means that if these guys are still minded to put money into the club, it's not going to be money that's coming to the club to pay off or, or, or to right-side losses. It'll be money that's there for pure investment. That may not be the case. They might be figuring that in the future they might need to right-side losses if there's no European uh, money. So um, overall, I'm, I, was, I was delighted to see that. I am not surprised at it because this is where I get to see not so much I told you so, but I was always very, very sanguine about what was happening at the club since Dave King came in because I could see a trajectory. I knew exactly what was to be required. It was going to be incremental growth to see the turnover return to a normal level. And I'd always, always referred back to where we were before the, the troubles happened. We were about 45 to 50 million pounds income. That generally had a couple, at least a couple of European games in there of some sort. Um, and we're seeing that normalisation happen um, year on year and this is the closest we've been to getting back we may even be there by the end of the full financial year um, sorry Augie it sounds it sounds Andy as if it's I mean certainly I, I, I can't imagine can't imagine the slightest the board would have um, budgeted on having the Europa League uh, the, the Europa League group stages oh. I, I, I would imagine they would have budgeted for say to the third qualifying round Everything 
over and above that is effectively uh, a bonus. Um, I think Dave King had previously said that he, he expected money required in this season uh, from the investors. So as you say, either that's not the case, we can, you know, they, they can bank that and hopefully use it in further years, um, or it goes in and it goes to to further growth projects. But you know, over overall, that positive effect of European football, whilst it was disappointing at the time not to get through into basically February, um, bloody hell, it's, it's it's done the power of good. Well, well, that was my that was my kind of closing shot. Is that everyone's very, very positive, but we have to be very, very aware of where we are in terms of potential threats. And and the potential threat is what you've just said. If we don't have European football coming in, then these these accounts would look a hell of a lot different. I, I do think there's probably been spending on the back of it because let's remember we knew before the end of the window that we'd progressed to, to at least one round. But I think there's also. Um, a plan in place because we do seem to have a, a football inside a football um, with Mark Allen and so forth that if we don't make European football then it'll be player sales that will make up the difference so obviously we get Morelos and things like that but there's also a, a, a signal towards the Bosman model where we're getting guys like Jones and Kamara where you're getting them for essentially nothing and you could sell them tomorrow without losing a penny so I do think that there is a safeguard that if we don't make European football maybe one out of two or three years, there will be a safeguard in the player sales, which is only natural. Um, but it is critical. And I think we need to remember how monumentally hard it was to get to the group stages this year. You think back at some of the ties, Jufa, Maribor and all this kind of stuff. It was really a, a magnificent effort to get there. So Stephen Gerrard deserves every bit of financial backing he gets because he's created it. So, so to sum up, Good news, and it's uh, isn't it nice to have a wee bit of financial good news, Andy? Um, I'm not entirely sh- I'm not entirely sure I'm going to believe it though until uh, dog food eating tinfoil hat wearing <laughs> bloggers tell me about it. Well, that's where I get my news. I don't read the Financial Times anymore. I go straight to these kind of blogs and, and make my investment decisions based on that because you kind of get better. Exactly. Um, but on a serious note, the kind of thing I would leave guys to, to the, the listeners to take is that back in the dark old days, 2013, our turnover was less than 20 million quid. Um, our turnover is going to be, I don't know, we'll be well into the 40 millions anyway this, this, this year. And and I, personally, I'm very, very happy with the guys we've got at the, the forefront of the board. I think they've got the best interest. I think that's in, irrefutable given the money they've put in and the way that they've, they've uh, been repaid. I think there's a wee bit more legwork to be done. I think um, they, they know that, and I think they're prepared to, to put their, their money where their mouth is as well. And I think at this moment in time, the Rangers support should be very grateful and should be giving them the backing. And of course, we also give our backing in terms of the financial uh, input as everybody's bank statements. So no, okay, that if we put our money where our mouth is, these guys are matching us as well. And, and if we do that, then things will happen. A nice way to start up, mate. Thanks for listening, Andy. I appreciate it. No worries, Hoggy. So, I hope you enjoyed the pod uh, today with the game and the aftermath uh, with David and Gordon over there in New Zealand and, of course, with Andy McGowan, gorgeous Andy, and the financial half-year results. All that's left for me to do is to to thank my uh, co-host, Cameron James Bell, very much. Cammy, thank you. Ian, a pleasure as always. Wonderful job. Thank you very much. 
on to Wednesday and Cammy, I hope your team wins. Goodbye. <laughs>